2: Good morning, diarrhea! It's time to wake up.
1: It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game.
3: Yes, sir! Good morning, family. Had to let that one ride on a Tuesday morning. Hope everyone's having a terrific Tuesday so far. If you're on your way home from work, if you're on your way to work, hope you're going to have a terrific Tuesday. Now... There are a couple of things that we wanted to get to here today. First off, want to talk about that Warriors win over the Magic because there are three specific players that I wanted to point out from last night's game. And but The pregame, we had an update on Wiseman, and I also want to get to that as well because it turns out that the timeline that we thought for James Wiseman is going to be a little later than expected, and it doesn't look like we'll be seeing James Wiseman until 2022. So we'll get to all of those updates, plus we've got some 49ers talk because Kyle Shanahan spoke to the media yesterday. But before we get to anything from that Warriors-Magic game, at least in terms of what happened on the court, I just wanted to talk about the broadcast really quick with Mr. Bob Fitzgerald and Kalena Azabuki. Now, they've been doing this for a little bit. They've been having this bit where they go to the Cisco WebEx commercial, and it's commercial for Formula One. Now, McLaren F1 is the team that Cisco sponsors, so McLaren is involved in that commercial. It's the com- If, if you've watched any Warriors basketball, Giants baseball, anything on NBC Sports Bay Area, you've probably seen this commercial, and you might be a little confused. Let me put it to you simply. It's the one with the orange cars on it. <laughs> that commercial. Well, it has to do with Formula One. And i got to give Kalena Azubuki a lot of credit for putting himself out there... Willing to do this sack set because, I mentioned it last week, there were two races left in the Formula One season, and it's coming down to the wire between two guys, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton you've probably heard of because he's the most popular Formula One driver out there. Max Verstappen, slowly but surely, is rising to the top, and he really had been on top of the leaderboard for the entire time. And then Lewis Hamilton started to crawl his way back. But listen to Coletta Azabuki on NBC Sports Bay Area. I, I think they were up 71-54 to 54 or something. The game was so out of reach because the Magic were missing three of their stars in Jalen Suggs and, uh, and, and Markel Foltz and Jonathan Isaac. And I don't necessarily call them stars, but they're definitely guys that help them win. So... You experiment a little bit on the broadcast. I give Kalena all the credit in the world for doing this yesterday when they showed the Formula One commercial.
2: Max Verstappen was not happy about the way things transpired in Saudi Arabia. Lewis Hamilton,
3: one on the grid. Max Verstappen, two. And Valkyrie
0: Bottas, three. Jordan Pool missing there. Our Formula F one update. I can't believe what they sponsor. everything
3: you know what's funny about that is that's exactly how it sounds. <laughs> Martin Brundle and David Croft, who are normally on the call. It's the same commentators every week, every every race. I was going to say every week, but you know races can happen every other week. Uh, but that's how it sounds. That's really how it sounds. I give Coletta a lot of credit, man. He put himself out there, tried to do a little Stacey King for the Chicago Bulls, where the other day I saw Stacey King doing a a Bane voice during a Bulls broadcast, but Coletta doing a Formula One broadcast voice? I'm in. Max Verstappen was not happy about the way things transpired in Saudi Arabia. Lewis Hamilton one on the grid,
1: Max Verstappen two, and Valtteri Bottas three.
0: Gordon Poole missing there. Our Formula F one update. I can't believe what they sponsor every.
3: And then Bob Fitzgerald would go on and say, uh, you know, they need to be sponsored by Drive to Survive. And if you're into if you're into sports at all, just the idea of sport and competition. Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are tied overall for points. Every single race, they have an overall point total. Um, The first-place winner gets 26, the second-place winner gets 18, and the third-place winner gets 10. And right now, in the overall standings, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are tied at 369.5 points. One more race left... So it's going to be mono a mono, and if you're into if you're into competition at all you'd be interested in watching that and if you want to see some broadcasting excellence, just watch the start of a Formula One race and listen to the way uh that crofty calls the uh, calls the Formula One start. It's pretty amazing, and, and, and it's just, I, I don't know how he does it, because his mind is just moving so quick. I don't know how his brain can even process what's going on. All right, let's get to the actual game, shall we? Here's the first player that I wanted to highlight from this one.
2: Crossover by Curry, off the screen, throws to the corner, Wiggins, Wiggins fades to the left, takes a dribble, and the three and knocks down another one.
3: Now, Andrew Wiggins was eight of ten from three in this game. This was easily his. This was easily his best three point shooting night as far as efficiency. Um, and and last night. He was just looking so comfortable, and every shot he looked like he was open, and I'm not going to lie, the way that he was shooting the basketball, and the way that he was shooting the basketball, not necessarily doing it off the dribble, it was more catch and shoot, and we'll get to what Steve Kerr had to say in just a second, but... It gets you excited for Klay Thompson, because that's the type of role that Klay Thompson's going to be playing. Now, he did do a, he did make a couple of threes off the dribble, don't get me wrong. I mean, there were a couple of step-backs in there. There was a side-step three. It was, it was impressive the way that Andrew Wiggins was showing out. But overall, he was 9 of 17 on the night with 28 points. So you take 8 of 10... Really, he was one of seven uh, overall, at least when he wasn't shooting threes. And he also knocked down two of his four three th- free throws. So, not the best scoring night that he's had in his career, but he looked so damn comfortable out there. And it's, I, I don't know, there's something about seeing an Andrew Wiggins smile when he knocked down the 8 3 and he's just laughing about it. I don't know. There's something about Andrew Wiggins. It's just because he's so soft spoken and he doesn't show a ton of emotion when he's on the court, which is something that we do love about Wiggins. But we don't see him angry. But when he's happy, it's fun to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch. And he just continues to prove the doubters wrong, like from the 574. I got a fall on the sword this morning. I was so out on Andrew Wiggins when the Warriors traded for him. I thought he was nobody, and I was absolutely wrong. And that's okay, 574. That's okay. You know why? Because you weren't the only one. Literally everybody had an issue with it, just because of the narrative surrounding him back when he was with Minnesota. And, you know, we had the right to be skeptical. We did. But no one really saw this coming, and I think it's a credit to, well, just him not having any pressure on him, for one, not having to be the number one guy, but also, it has something to do with the Warriors team and the culture that they've created around there, which is he can be the three, third or fourth best player on the court, and he can also play great defense. So I, I really like what I'm seeing from Andrew Wiggins. But there's something that Steve Kerr mentioned about Wiggins' three-point shooting that I want to that I want to get to here because when he talked about. This at the end of the game as to why he's getting so many open looks and what's different about his three point shooting. Here's what Steve Kerr had to say.
0: Yeah, it was great, great third quarter. The biggest thing I'm seeing from Andrew is that he's just catching and shooting. You know, I mean, he's he's always been a, a pretty good three point shooter, but you know, maybe more a little bit off the dribble. And the 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 thing he's I think really gotten better with is when he's open, he's just catching and shooting. And that there's a there's a little better rhythm to it, but there's better rhythm to the offense when the ball doesn't stop. And I think he's really feeling more, more and more comfortable playing this style where you know you're open you let it go no ball stopping no uh, you know not a not a ton of dribbling and and he's he's just been great he's had um, a huge impact defensively we're putting him on you know the toughest offensive player night after night and just having an incredibly efficient offensive season
3: as well he's been fantastic don't get me wrong there have been points where wiggins has an open three and it seems that he's passed it up to just try and post up on his defender who on whoever it is and then maybe hit a step back mid-range jumper and then it misses and it's just it just feels kind of lazy at times when you know it feels like he has an open shot um but when he talks about catching and shooting, let me play one more from Steve Kerr. He he really emphasized the catch and shoot aspect of Wiggins' game.
0: I do think just catching and shooting is kind of simplifying the game rather than catching and you know sizing the defender up and putting it on the floor and then rising up and and shooting. And I think there was more of that early in his career. So I, I think the way he's playing is is more efficient and more simplified.
3: <laughs> for the 405 and, and Wiggins only mean bugs when Kaminga highlight ducks. Believe me, we'll get to that guy in just a second. But um, when he mentioned the catch and shooting, I did a little digging here. And in terms of the statistics, Steve Kerr's absolutely right, even without looking at the numbers, when you're just seeing what's happening on the court and the numbers are there to back it up because in his career with catch and shoot threes, he's hovered around 33 to 34%. 2018 was an outlier. He actually shot 36% on catch-and-shoot threes, an incre- uh, quite an increase there from the 33-34% average. But he was barely averaging two of those catch-and-shoot threes per game. You know, it's always 1.6 or 1.2, 1.5, whatever it is. Those numbers continued to increase year after year after year, ever since 2013-2014. But ever since he's been with the Warriors, um, they've only gotten better. And last year, when he played a full season, he shot 39% with catch-and-shoot threes and was damn near averaging four. But this year, he's upped that number to 43%, and he's averaging over four per game. So, (laughs) that's a 4% increase when you're already taking more shots. And that's damn near a 10% increase from the average that he's had in his career. So those numbers are there to back it up. What you're seeing on the court, if, you, if you're if you just doing the eye test and you're thinking, damn, he's better at those catch-and-shoot threes, yeah, the numbers back it up. 43% when he's averaging for a game. But you mentioned it, 4 5 when Wiggins only mean mugs Kaminga when he ducks. You don't see him angry, but you'd see him mean mug Kaminga when he ducks. There's Pool driving, floater no good, Jam oh. home by
2: Kaminga, raised up higher than everybody on the floor, and slammed it down. It's
3: ridiculous. This dude is so athletic. Now, he came in in the fourth quarter, really when the game was just, you know, it, it was a blowout. I mean, they, they, they crushed the Magic by 31 points. But I do like watching Jonathan Kaminga. At least um, the, the double zeros in the in the min, in the minutes, which really are are kind of meaningless in a way. But they're meeting full for a rookie. But when it gets to the point where they're not really running too many set plays, and it's just you know, last night we saw them just get the ball to Jordan Poole or Damian Lee or Jonathan Kaminga and see what they could do. Um, but when he takes the ball off the dribble, and takes it to the rack. I mean, this dude is so explosive, so athletic, and at the bare minimum, we know he can do that. Now, what can he do in meaningful minutes? That's yet to be determined, but the dude's 19 years old. Really like what I'm seeing from him so far. He's just so fun to watch, and just to think that eventually he's going to get even bigger, even stronger and it's going to get to the point where um, it's going to get to the point where you're just like, damn, I can't believe how how much smaller he was back when he was 19, and how much bigger he is now. The compare the contrast is going to be huge, and we get, we just got to be patient with it. But another thing with Jonathan Kaminga and something that could have stemmed from last night's game, it was the conversation with Franz Wagner. Now we saw last year with Wiseman we saw all of those comparisons with Wiseman being taken at 2 and uh, LaMelo Ball being taken at 3 and there's always that you know the, the there's always the the conversation of oh the Warriors should have drafted LaMelo Ball over Wiseman should have drafted LaMelo Ball over Wiseman well the guy who was drafted right after Jonathan Kamingo was Franz Wagner we're not having that conversation this morning Franz Wagner's been very good He's been very good so far this season. As a matter of fact, he's been one of the better rookies uh, of the year. He's been better than... Jalen Suggs has been, and Jalen Suggs was picked earlier than him. The Magic had the 3 and the 8 this past draft, and Jalen Suggs was picked with the 3. Franz Wagner's been better than him, and he's been starting and uh shooting at a good percentage, but last night, I mean, he was 7 of 13, he only had 15 points, and he was 1 of 3 from 3, and he didn't get to the line at all, but he also dished out 6 assists. He's a good player, but we're not having that conversation this morning of, oh, the Warriors should have drafted Franz Wagner over Jonathan Kaminga. And there's some sort of relief in that. There's some relief in that because that that conversation just gets tiresome. It gets frustrating because it's just such a massive hypothetical that no one can really tell. I mean, who knows what would have happened with LaMelo Ball personally. I think if the Warriors would have drafted him last year over Wiseman, there would have been a, 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 a big argument with Kerr and LeVar Ball, and there would have been some off-the-court drama just because LaMelo Ball wouldn't have started maybe as soon as he did over when he was with Charlotte. So these are the teams they're with, and this is what we got to work with. So we're not having that conversation this morning, which I'm very happy about. And by the way, we haven't even talked about Steph yet. Um, Steph, six threes last night. Or excuse me, seven threes last night. He was seven of thirteen. He had thirty-one points on sixteen shots. That's just it's just insane what he could do. He also had eight assists, and he's fifteen away from breaking the record. Uh, and it could come against the Blazers. And, and, and imagine because Clay has the record for the most most threes in a game with fourteen. Curry, if he knocks down 15, he would not only break Ray Allen's record but also he would break the single game record for three points made in a game. He could possibly do that against the Blazers at home. That'd be nuts. That'd be nuts if Steph did that. Just a nonchalant 31 points on 16 shots. Uh, But speaking of Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman, want to get to the update around James Wiseman. Now, it was reported that there's a chance that he won't be back until... 2022 and i want to ask you at 888 is there concern for you over the fact that james wiseman isn't coming back in the timetable that they expected or do you like that they're slow playing this and waiting for him just really until next year till he's 100 percent? how do you feel about it 888-957-9570 steven langford in on the pregame show 957 the game
1: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
3: Good morning, everybody. Stephen Langford in with you. Now coming up later in the show, we're going to talk some football. A couple of Buffalo Bills defenders... Had some great sound from last night when they were asked about the Patriots' run game as the Patriots end up beating the Bills moving to first place in the AFC West. And it was at a, I mean, it was 14 to 10. The under was clearly there. The the point total was at 41 points overall for the game. As my voice just cracked. Yes, you just heard that right. But the Patriots now are at nine and four. The Bills at seven and five. They take a strong lead within uh, the, did I say AFC West? I mean, AFC East. And man, Bill Belichick, just a strange dude. But we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll get to all that next. Uh, but from the 415, I love this. But are we having the dub should have drafted Mac Jones instead of Kaminga Talk? <laughs> I was talking about how last night in the previous segment, last night I was talking about how we're not having that discussion about the Warriors should have drafted Franz Wagner over Jonathan Kaminga because Franz Wagner was drafted 8th by the Magic while the Warriors drafted Kaminga at 7. We're not having that conversation. It's a good sense of relief, but that is my main question, actually. After seeing Kaminga and what he can do, seeing the 19-year-old get some minutes on the floor, should Kyle Shanahan start Trey Lance? 888 9570 That's the conversation right there. But I did ask, but seriously, seriously. The pregame update from Steve Kerr, because, look, that game was just a blowout last night. There's only so much you could say about a team that was missing three key players. The Magic are 5-20 and on the year. They don't stand a chance. The Warriors are 20-4. and Think about that. Think about that. The Warriors had a win-loss record, which was the complete opposite of the Magic win-loss record going into yesterday's game. The Warriors are 20-4 and right now. The Magic are 5-20... and <laughs> Right now, they were 4-20 going into yesterday's game. So there's only so much you can dissect from it. We talked a lot about Wiggins, Kaminga, and of course Steph Curry, who is 15 away from tying Ray Allen's all-time three-point record, 16 away from breaking it. But an update we got during the pregame from Steve Kerr is that James Wiseman, most likely not going to be back until 2022. Here's the quote. So he hasn't scrimmaged yet. This is from Steve Kerr. So he hasn't scrimmaged yet. By the time he comes back and scrimmages, it's going to it's going to take some time from there. You guys can do the math. I don't want to be the headline. And Anthony Slater from The Athletic wrote a terrific piece, 95.7 Warriors Insider. He wrote a terrific piece on it, and the comparison that he used was Jaron Jackson Jr., from the Memphis Grizzlies, who is a center, has the same body type as James Wiseman, and he had a meniscus tear last season, or excuse me, two seasons ago, and it didn't get, he was in August of 2020, it got hurt, he got hurt, and then back in April of 2021, that's when he returned, and it took a while. They really slow played it with the Memphis Grizzlies. So I want to know from you, at 888 Is there any concern for you about the timetable for Wiseman? Or do you just like the fact that they're slow playing this and waiting until he gets to 100%? Because one other little tidbit that Anthony Slater wrote in his piece is that out of these 20 wins, 16 of them have been by double digits. That's crazy. I don't care what your schedule is. I don't care who you play. I don't care how easy you think it is. Winning 20 games, 16 of them by double digits, that's not easy. And the only time that I've really seen that, oh, the Warriors are are, are in need of Wiseman right now, the Warriors need a uh, need another big besides Kevon Looney and Nemanja Bielitsa, the only other time that I've seen that was after that loss to the Suns. After that loss to the Suns, everyone's talking about Wiseman. Now, the only other times you're going to play the Suns are on Christmas Day, and then you don't play them again till March. But other than that, you have not seen a team give you really... It, it doesn't seem like any other team has played on the same level as the Warriors so far this season. So, I don't know what people are saying. I haven't looked on Twitter to get a pulse of, you know, I, I haven't got a pulse of Dub Nation with how they're feeling about this. But if you are concerned, my question is why? Why would you be? I, I don't think there should be any concern here. I like the fact that they're doing this would I have wanted him to come back sooner? Because you know, there was time there was a time when he was expected to damn near be back by November, and that's when Steve Kerr had to start answering questions, and he had to basically say that a meniscal tear is much different from an ACL, for example, because the timetable to return, there's so many different things that can happen. So it gets jumbled around, and then as time goes on you're seeing that Clay Thompson is starting to get back into scrimmages, but why Wiseman isn't participating, so questions start to to rise up here. But to me, it's pretty clear that so far this season, they don't necessarily need uh, James Wiseman right now. And if that means just waiting until twenty twenty two, and the fact that he's added seven to ten pounds of muscle, uh, seven to ten pounds of muscle this year, this past off season. I mean, why would you want to rush him back? You don't want to. You don't want to put more pressure on that meniscus than there already is, because it's so easy for a big man who can, who's as athletic as he is, to just jump up, possibly go for a dunk or go for a rebound, land on it awkwardly, and then possibly damage it again. It's really, it's very easy for that to, for for them to do that. So I like the fact that the Warriors are slow playing this with James Wiseman right now. I I really do. And you all if you've heard me on this show, you've heard that when we're talking about the returns of Clay Thompson and and, and, and James Wiseman, sure I, I'm I'm a little concerned with how Clay's gonna be on defense and you know, whether he's gonna be able to move the same. On offense, not all that concerned with it because I, I, I feel like he could still move off ball, somehow get open, because if he can't seem to get open, then you know what, you're just gonna get Steph one on one with somebody and he's just gonna be able to go to work. He's going to go to work, but I'm not too concerned with Clay, but with Wiseman, I do have some skepticism around his return and whether, you know, his development has been hindered by this injury because, again, he didn't have that fair of a rookie season, didn't have the college games to work with. All we had were three Then, of course, this was during uh, the COVID times where the restrictions were were very strong. And then eventually, when he did get to training camp, tested positive and wasn't able to practice with the team. So really, he was thrown into the fire right away. Kind of like kind of like Jordan Poole in a sense his rookie year when everybody just got hurt and Jordan Poole was expected to be the starter right away, the starting two guard, and clearly Steve Kerr just said, hey, let it fly. Let it fly this season because really, we're not going to be out here uh, getting wids. But with Wiseman, if they're going to be slow playing this, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Anything that can help him in terms of being a hundred percent when he's back on the court, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I do want to see what he can do on the court. I'm I'm getting impatient when it comes to that because, you know, I want to be able to be proven wrong with my skepticism. That's that's just me. But I like the fact that they're slow playing this right now, and I'm not too concerned about it. You know, that was a big story, uh, a big headline. Even though Steve Kerr said he didn't want to make a headline from last night's game, but if you are concerned about it, I'd just like to know why at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero from the five seven four. The only reason I want Wiseman to come back soon is because I'm selfish and just want to see the kid play. But there's absolutely no rush for him to return. From the five one zero, this is Steven from Hercules. I don't think there's any rush to get Wiseman back. The Dubs have one of the best teams in the association. Make sure he's a hundred percent healthy. From the five one zero, Warriors back on track, kicking ass at Chase Center. Love that. And where is it? Where's the? Here is it from the four one five. Good morning. A great game last night, and the Warriors have great chemistry. But mark my words: when Clay Thompson comes back, if Jordan Poole goes to the bench. There's going to be a problem. Just watch. All right, 415. Words marked, copied, pasted, Word doc. I'm going to save that Word doc, I'm going to save it to my desktop, and I'm going to save it to 415 marked words. You know what? That actually, that might be a fun segment to have you involved, so you, <laughs> so you just have you as the texter, the callers involved, mark my words, where I'll actually mark your words, because it's not that hard for me to do. I'll just save it on a Word document, and then eventually, as you're making those takes, I'll just rehash them back to you, and I'll have those words marked. Maybe that'll be a fun segment to do. I mean, come on. It's 5 a.m. It's 5 a.m., baby. From the 415, Dubs needed Wiseman like the Bulls needed Stacey King back in the days. All right. Uh, let's get to the caller here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero 957 9570 before we go to break. What's your name? Where are you calling from? How's it going, Steve? Mitch, New Jersey. What's going on, hey, man?
0: How you doing? Are you guys
2: so lucky. You got some team. You, you could really uh, tell them to take the rest of the year off and really build. It. Like, make sure you do like you get another... High draft choice, but um, sometimes he, I just have a feeling that it's not going to pan out. It seems like his freshman year in, high, in college was uh, was all messed up with a uh, controversy, and now he gets hurt, uh, kind of a serious injury there. Um, but submitting a ball, and that would be some bad call. Sometimes I think sometimes teams mess it up looking for a position instead of just getting the, taking the best talented player. I think that usually pans out more than looking for a position. Of weakness, and uh, it's not a sense-driven league anymore. So I think the Warriors have made a mistake.
3: All right, appreciate the phone call, Mitch. Just wanted to talk about his Clippers. <laughs> uh, coming up next, though. All right, let's transition here from Warriors basketball. I want to move on to a little football. If you're a Forty Nine er fan, would you see Trey? L- would you want to see Trey Lance start if it meant? missing the playoffs because it seemed like nobody was in on jimmy garoppolo yesterday it didn't seem like anybody wanted any part of the playoff talk even though you are currently the seventh seed and you're still very much in it i saw a lot of trey lance needed to play in this game trey lance needs to be in for jimmy garoppolo would you want to see trey lance start if that meant you're not going to be making the playoffs. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the question for the day. The text line and the phone number. Again, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We'll be right back. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 957 the game.
1: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford.
3: Good morning, everybody. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And I asked the question before the break. If you're a 49er fan, because we've been talking about the Warriors and Magic for the first half of the se- uh, for the first half of the show, wanted to get some football in here. And I asked the question: Would you want to see Trey Lance start if it means not making the playoffs? It's a hypothetical there. Or do you think if Trey Lance starts, there's even more of a chance of making the playoffs? Now you're already in. You're already in in the seventh seed, and the reason that I'm asking the question, you may think it's stupid, because the five seven four here. Or excuse me, not the five seven four. Damn, a lot of texts coming in today. Shout out to you on a Tuesday. By the way, I, I really think we have something with the "Mark My Words" segment. Because someone texted it in saying, mark my words, when Klay Thompson comes back, there's going to be some heated exchange between him and Jordan Poole, or when Jordan Poole is possibly benched and some problems are going to arise. I think we got a new segment called Mark Your Words, where we will just mark your words, and I'll mark those takes, and then we'll rehash them whenever you know they come to fruition. But from the 707 this could be a dumb question you're not a real fan if you don't want your team in the playoffs every year playoffs or bust but the feeling that i got yesterday not only just from my show but from the morning roast and from the shows beyond it's that they're tired of jimmy garoppolo and want trey lance and damn near don't care about the playoffs this year (laughs) Like, like that's that's what it felt like yesterday it's what it felt like. Not saying it's an objective fact. So triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I want you to weigh in, but real quick, I just gotta, I just gotta play this sound for you because we got majestic in San Francisco and Anthony on eight eighty who were kind enough to call us during the break and want to weigh in, but last night. The Bills and the Patriots played on Monday night football and you know the headlines were Peyton Manning and Joe Buck and the little dig that Joe Buck took at Peyton Manning on the Manning cast, where Peyton asked him, Joe, have you ever been in a have you ever been calling a game that's a blowout and you've wanted to interview someone along with Troy during the game? And he said, Yeah, I thought about it a lot during the your Super Bowl against the Seahawks, you know, and then that, that went viral or whatever. But uh the Patriots beat the Bills fourteen to ten. Have a stranglehold on the AFC East. They are nine and four on the year, compared to the Bills, who are currently seven and five. And Jordan Poyer and Mika Hyde or Micah Hyde, excuse me, were asked a question at the podium and listen to this response because Mac Jones was two of three for nineteen yards yesterday. The New England Patriots. Ran the ball forty six times for two hundred and twenty two yards because it was a cold weather game. Didn't want to bother throwing the football because the wind was blowing at a thousand miles an hour. Listen to these Bills reactions here when they were asked a question about their run defense and possibly being embarrassed by their run defense last night.
0: Over forty
4: years, it's a team that's won a game running, step <laughs> two, a game, passing. That embarrassing. I mean, what kind of boy? Question what are we doing, bro? What kind of question is that? It's
0: a question. <laughs> going to be criticizing you calling
4: All right. I think we. I think we keep gave that, up keep, all right. seven points. Yeah, we, fourteen. Uh, four, fourteen to fourteen. Fourteen to ten. Is that the final score? We made stops when we had to. They had one big run. I mean, they got good backs. They, yeah. All right. Um, they kept coming back. to a couple of runs. I mean, I don't know how you want us to answer that question.
3: That's funny. Well, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. I mean, come on. How are you going to ask that question? Seriously? How can you ask that question? Are you embarrassed by the run defense that night when you only gave up 14 points? When's the last time that a team has ran the ball 46 times for 222 yards and only scored 14 points out of it? I'm not going to look back at every single game that's ever happened in the history of the NFL, but I guarantee you that not many games have gone that way. And listen to what Micah Hyde said at the end when he was leaving the podium.
4: This goes in respect. It's all about respect. I come here every single week and I answer your questions. Truthfully, honestly, I appreciate you guys. Don't do that.
3: Don't do that. Goodbye, David. I mean, these dudes were pissed. These dudes were pissed. All right, 888-957-9570. Let's get to it. Because yesterday, the feeling that I got, and this is what the question stems from. Or you could be like Micah Hyde and joint employer, and just say, What kind of question is that, bro? That's stupid. Why are you even asking that? That's embarrassing that you're asking that question. But my question is... Would you want to see the 49ers now start Trey Lance if it means there's a possibility you don't make the playoffs? I'm not even going to make it you know, for certain because right now they're the seventh seed in the NFC, and the NFC sucks. <laughs> Past those first seven teams, I mean, hell, you got the Washington football team in sixth, and they're guys on offense. I like Taylor Heineke and uh, Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson's a really good back, and when J.D. McKissick's in, they're a really good one-two punch. But they don't have a ton on defense. So I, I want to know from you, at 888 957 would you want to start Trey Lance if there's a possibility you don't make the playoffs? Because right now, with the way the NFC is shaking out, you might make the playoffs anyway, no matter who you start, even if you don't start Jimmy Garoppolo. So I want to know from you. Let's go to Majestic in San Francisco. What's going on, Majestic?
4: What's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call. So my input on it is that I need to see both my quarterbacks out there making plays. That's the teamwork. That's the that's the play that's been set. You know, when you put Trey Lance out there, it makes the defense think different. When you put Garoppolo out there, he has more experience in it. Now, on the coaching the management side, I do get why they might want to sit him down. We've had injuries with our quarterbacks that have sat us down. And, you know, we're paying a lot for Garoppolo, so we do need to keep him on the field. But at the same time, we do need to get Lance, out there and prepared, and we need to get both of them out
3: there on the field. I appreciate the phone call, majestic. That's an interesting one. You want both quarterbacks to be started to to be out there because I think that was another thing yesterday. A, a big takeaway from the calls and the texts was that you know we want to see Trey Lance at least, at the very least in those red zone packages that we had seen in the season even prior to the to the Cardinals game. I mean, come on, Trey Lance threw the first touchdown of the year. You remember that? You remember that that opening game where everyone was like wondering how mad Jimmy Garoppolo is that uh, that that Trey Lance threw the first passing touchdown of the game. You remember? Wow, what a time. What a time. We've come so far. And uh no, uh where is it? Where where are you at? Um, jeez man I there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of text this morning. um Zuchi mang I think it was Zuchi man who asked that uh, they asked if uh, any of my fantasy teams made the playoffs <laughs> No, let's go to Anthony on 880. What's going on Anthony? what do you think? would you want to start Trey Lance even if there's a possibility that you don't make the playoffs this year?
4: uh so. I just feel like this is a tough question because the time to start Trey was a long time ago. Like, you know, the best, the best teacher in life is experience and he should have been getting consistent playing time. Like, uh, you were, like you were saying, you know, maybe some plays, you know, just every game, right? Maybe five or 10 packages. It should have happened a long time ago. It's just so hard to answer that question now because you really are in it when it comes to the playoffs, but like you are setting Trey back. And that's just a fact like every other rookie quarterback that started this season, like they have been noticeably better from the first game to this game. So if you can't satisfy two masters, there's really nothing you can do about it at this time. Like, I don't think if you started Trey, you would miss the playoffs because although I don't agree with everything Kyle Shanahan has done thus far, like we know he can draw up plays and we know he can scheme people open and Trey. Being asked to do what Jimmy does really, really doesn't seem like it's that hard. I mean, Jimmy rarely throws deep and we know Trey can do that. We know that like, you know, he made, you know, short yardage passes, you know, that first game. So like, it's, it's very doable, but I just think it's it's just, it's too late at this point. Like, there's no reason to even really talk about it. I mean, it's fun, but like the chance to do that was a long time ago.
3: Interesting. I appreciate the phone call, Anthony. I appreciate the phone call. And if you want uh, the answer from me, if you're if you're looking for my take on the question, I mean, they got five games left in the season, right? Five games left. You got one in Cincinnati this weekend, which is going to be a really good football game. I I, the Bengals are are a fun team to watch, and they can get got, but they can also get you. But then you're facing the Falcons. Then you're facing the Titans in Tennessee. Then you got the Texans. And then you're in L.A. to face the Rams. Now, when you're looking at that schedule, the Texans, the fact that Terod Taylor is uh, looking like he's out with an injury. I don't know if he'll be back by uh, January 2nd. The Falcons have been a mess this year. Bengals, Titans, and Rams. I understand it's a tough travel schedule. Actually, I pointed this out prior to the season when we're doing the schedule watching um, that this is the toughest time of travel for the year because they were at home to face the Rams where they beat them 31-10 to at that night game. Then they went to Jacksonville. Then they went back to San Francisco, up to Seattle, on their way to Cincinnati, back to San Francisco, back to Tennessee. Then they're back to the West Coast. So it's a lot of jumping around. But I think they can at least go two and three on the year, and if they go two and three on the year, they'll be eight and nine. And to me, that's good enough to get you into the playoffs anyway. And I think they could go two and three with Trey Lance starting. I'm just looking at those teams below the Niners, the Eagles. I, I don't know what's going on with Jalen Hurts, the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings, they can maybe make a run. I could could even see that happening uh, with Detroit, um, after even losing to Detroit. But then you got Carolina, you got Atlanta, you got the Saints, who just started Taysom Hill. That's not going to work. Chicago, Seattle, Detroit, none of those teams to me have a chance to make the playoffs, even if they go on a run here. So I I really do think that if you do go with Trey Lance, you won't be missing the playoffs anyway. I mean, you could go with Jimmy if you want, but you're just going to be getting the same old Jimmy every single week, and I think that you can possibly start Trey Lance and then get him even some playoff experience in his first season as a rookie. Like, that's, that's really where I'm at. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I asked you that question though. I asked you that question. Would you start Trey Lance if it meant that there's a possibility that you don't make the playoffs? Because my answer to that is, I think they're making the playoffs regardless, just because of how bad the NFC is. Also, super weird uh, that I can say an eight and nine season will get you into the playoffs. How how odd is that? You know, I can't stand I can't stand this 17 game thing. I'm not used to it. I like saying 8 and 8. You know, 9 and 7, 7 and 9. Shout out to you Jeff Fisher. I like saying that. I don't like saying I don't like saying 8 and 9 or 9 and 8. That just sounds weird. From the f- 650, must we talk about the 49ers? My parents taught me that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. All right, let's go to the phones here. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Jason on 680. Jason on 680 now. We go from 880 to 680. Shout out to the Mission Boulevard transfer there uh, in the middle of Warm Springs. What's I going on? I'm ahead of there right now. Hey, my man, right just watch out for the traffic. <laughs> I hate it. Sit in minute. Hey, uh, I want to make sure
4: we all watch the same game against the Cardinals when uh, Trey Lance started. He got obliterated. He was scared. Like Colin right. Shanahan says, like Ray Ratto says, the kid just ain't ready. Just sit him. Now, if we have no chance in the playoffs, sure throw them out there. Let let them get some garbage time, get beat up a little bit. You know, you got to fail to win. But right now, stick with Jimmy G; he's our best
3: chance. All right, I appreciate the phone call, Jason. And, and you know what? You could be right. You could be right. But also, if Trey Lance isn't ready, and we haven't seen him on the field, I don't get. If I'm a forty nine er fan, which actually you know, which you know I'm not. But if I'm a 49er fan, and I've been talking about this team all season long, I don't know 100% certain next year. I mean, if Trey's not ready this season, is he really going to be ready by next year if he hadn't had any playing time? I, I heard all season long when we were talking about Lance versus Garoppolo, hearing from former quarterbacks, people that know a lot more about football than I do, people that know tons more about football than I do, are saying the best way to develop a quarterback is to get him on the field. And there's a possibility that next season maybe Trey Lance isn't ready next year. Like what if you run into the Peyton Manning situation or the Drew Brees situation where, you know, Peyton throws 27 interceptions his rookie season or whatever. Trey Lance comes in and has a terrible second year because they hadn't put him in at all the first year. Then next season, it's just, well, it's a development year for Trey Lance. Is that really what what you want? It's it's a fascinating conundrum, to be honest with you. It, It really is. It's an interesting cuz I could I could see both sides of it. I'm just more on the Trey Lance side from the 650. That's embarrassing that you're asking that question. Haha. <laughs> Trey got a start. We need to get him ready. Um Peter King was on Damon and Ratto, and we do have some callers here lined up. I will get to you in just a second, but I wanted to play this Peter King sound. Here's what Peter King had to say as he makes the case for Jimmy staying on the team even into next season because we saw that report last week. That from Ian Rapoport that the 49ers are planning on moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022, going full-on with Trey Lance, and they're hoping to trade him by year's end. Here's what Peter King had to say.
2: Respect the backup quarterback. Respect the two-quarterback system in today's football. The 49ers this year are doing that, and I'm not saying Garoppolo's been great because he hasn't. And I'm not even saying that Garoppolo should start if they keep him on the team opening day next year. Not saying that at all. I'm saying that unless you figure out a better alternative than Nick Mullins or C.J. Bessard and put a lot of stock and a lot of emphasis on finding a very good backup quarterback, on going out and trading something significant for, let's say, Gardner Minshew, and we could think of three or four guys, then I, I, my point is you're doing fine the way you are. You're doing fine. And I realize Garoppolo's number is a killer. I get it. But I am not entering next year with Trey Lance and a wing and a prayer as the backup.
3: That is an interesting point. That is an interesting point because what I just brought up, because if you do bring in Trey Lance next season, and let's just say he is not the quarterback that you hoped for... Uh, I mean, is it really going to get to that point? Is it really going to get to that point next season where they bring in a backup if Trey Lance isn't playing up to expectation? I mean, is it really getting to that point? You can easily sign a free agent backup quarterback. That's no problem. And you don't have to pay him $22 million away from your salary cap. You can get a cheap backup quarterback. That would be just fine. Because if you're bringing in your backup quarterback for Trey Lance next year, one of two things. One, possibly there's an injury. Or two, you're just punting on the season at that point. And that's what everyone said when they said Trey Lance was going to be starting. They said, oh, you bring in your rookie that you traded three picks for, you're going to be punting on the year. I, I, I don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily agree with that. It doesn't always have to be a dual quarterback system within today's NFL. It worked with the Saints, um, you know, for a little bit. But also, look at what happened when Taysom Hill goes in as a starting quarterback from the nine one two. I was on the nine one two, Sean. I was on the if we ran the tables and Garoppolo looked like he did those weeks balled out, but now he's falling apart again. Time to dr- get Trey out there too. Let's go to the callers here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. It's good to hear from you nine one two. Way to wake up before six a.m., my guy. All right, well, uh, let's go to the caller here. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, you're on Hello. the you're on the air.
4: How's it going, Bob? How's it?
3: Eight? Yes, what's uh, going on, man? I want to
4: address the caller that called a little bit earlier. Yo! He said that Trey Lance wasn't ready. The Cardinals, he played against the Cardinals at the time They had the best-ranked defense in the NFL. So mm. For a rookie to go up against that for his first game, that's yeah. a very tough task. Um, I also feel like if Trey Lance started from the very beginning, we could still be 6-6 six and six right now. So I think we, we need to give him a shot. Jimmy G is not it.
3: I appreciate the phone call. I, I, I appreciate that, and, and really, I do think that uh, I, I do think that there was there's a point this season where you know, sure, if you start Trey Lance, you might not make the playoffs. But I'm really just looking at the rest of the NFC, and if you start him, uh, if if you start him, then I mean, I mean, come on, it, it's, it's I think you're making the playoffs anyway. I don't think you're going over. I don't think Trey Lance starting means you'll lose to the Falcons. I don't think it means you'll lose to the Texans. Because at that point, they're just playing for a draft pick. Right? They're playing for a draft pick. Now, I, I, I mean, looking at the NFC South. Let me take a look at the NFC South here, just so I can double-check. But the NFC South is looking like this. The Buccaneers, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints. Panthers, Falcons, Saints are all at 5-7. and seven, So, uh... You know, maybe they are playing for a wild card spot. All of them, but at that point, by the time you're playing the Falcons, maybe they'd be, you know, just wanna, just wanna get a higher draft pick. You know, maybe get someone to replace Matt Matt Ryan. I don't know, Kenny Pickett. I don't know what pick he's supposed to be in this year's draft. No one knows. That's also what I'm convinced about. By the way, I'm so convinced, and and I've said this very arrogantly and, and stubbornly, whatever word you want to use for lack of a better term. But I'm convinced after everything with Mac Jones this past season, you know, Mac Jones shouldn't be the pick, all this stuff. And it wasn't just just Mac Jones shouldn't be the pick. It was people saying Mac Jones is not going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I heard that, and I was just like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Now seeing what he's doing, I don't believe anything anyone says about the draft, including the mock drafts that people put out. So any mock draft, I don't know. I don't know. But I do think you can go 2 and 3 for the rest of the way, which would make you 8 and 9. I think that could even get you into the playoffs just because of, you know, the 17-game season. And if you start Trey Lance, I don't think you're going over. I don't think you're going over. That's really that's really where I'm at with this whole situation. All right, this has been a really fun show. A really fun show. Thank you all for participating. Thank you all for texting in, calling in from 880, from 680, from San Jose, from San Francisco. It's been a fun show today. And let me just close it out with this. I just got to play this one more time. Kalen Azubuki last night when the Warriors are just crushing the magic <laughs> and they give up...
1: A- Baseball is back.